Welcome to Take the Money, a production of Foster & Associates Financial Services, Inc., co-hosted by Philip Marion and David Winnell. Take the Money is a podcast exploring the challenges and opportunities facing entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals. Disclaimer, none of our discussions should be considered a recommendation to purchase any particular product, security, fund, or ETF, and all content should be considered for information purposes only. Before making any investment decision, our listeners are strongly encouraged to seek the counsel of a qualified investment advisor to make sure the investment is suitable for you. Now on to the show. Okay, welcome everyone. For this episode of Take the Money, we have Rob Morris, and Rob is the COO of BLG in Toronto. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, Rob. Uh, thanks, David. Glad to be here. So to start off with, can you just tell us a bit about your career and, and what led you to uh, BLG? So I guess in uh, I guess in 30 seconds, I started my career in the Royal Navy, you know, as a military guy uh, in the UK. Uh, so I did nine years in the military, mainly doing sort of engineering and programming. Uh, then I moved out of the military and got into sort of financial services, mainly doing management consulting, uh, mostly on the technology side for the big investment banks. And then uh, the consultancy I was working at morphed into, I was doing that for sort of nine years, and then it kind of morphed into uh, uh, legal, and they started looking at law firms and how to transform law firms. So I became a consultant doing that kind of role. So I was doing that for a number of years and then sort of got into the sort of executive level law firm management uh, to some of the bigger, you know, big, I guess, some of the largest law firms in the world. Um, and so I did that in the UK. I did that in, in Europe. I did that in, in the Middle East. And uh, I also did uh, sort of quite a global role. And at one point in time, I guess about five years ago, we, you know, the family just said, you know, Canada looks a pretty good place to be. And BOG was the largest law firm in Canada and wanted to kind of modernize and transform. So we took an opportunity to come to Canada. And that, I've now been at BOG now for five years. Can you uh, can you give us a quick summary of what the COO role entails? So I guess in a nutshell, it's uh, I guess the core of the role is sort of financial performance and risk management. So that's probably the first part. Then it's uh, strategy and driving strategy and the strategic plan of the firm. And of course, that's heavily tied to financial performance um, and people, you know, being a professional service organization. You've got the traditional parts of the role, which is the operations part. But now, you know, in my case, the role has kind of also morphed into sort of technology and innovation as well. So it pretty much encompasses finance, strategy, operations, and uh, a lot a lot of those projects and innovations are driven through technology. So it's all of that. Yeah, so ra- rather than rushing to adopt when when the pandemic hit this year i guess with your background it made it a bit easier but can you tell us a bit about your firm's transition plan to digitize we were on a pretty uh, ambitious journey to sort of digitize the firm so over the last i guess two to three years we've been really embracing technology our biggest challenge pre pandemic was the adoption rate of the professionals doing sort of moving to using technology and of course, the uh, the pandemic has almost been a catalyst to sort of drive that adoption. So what we thought would have taken three years or so for us to kind of bed down a lot of these technologies that we put in place, you know, pretty much happened within three months, not three years. So I'd say that's been the biggest thing. I mean, fortunately, we were probably ahead of the curve in terms of having 
the infrastructure in place, the foundation in place, the data security in place, uh, driving to sort of, you know, cloud type services and all those good things. But the big thing, the big game changer I thought this year was the adoption rate. You know, and if you know law firms, you know, sometimes the transformation adoption can take a lot longer than, say, in other, in other industries. So can you can you give us an example of some of those technologies? You touched on a couple, but I mean, for the, the video conferencing, but uh, there must be a, a dozen other that are in use. Right yeah, I mean, there's now. several things, you know, in terms of just getting, if you look at just mobility alone, you know, we've moved from being very kind of glued to our desks to being, you know, mobile and, and moving all our technology to be mobile friendly. So that was a huge change, you know, and so we had to sort of look very hard at, what platforms we would invest in and how they would work. So the whole mobility. So I would say a lot of our professionals are now very, very mobile, very, you know, pretty much work on the move. Whereas the traditional approach would have been to sort of be glued to your desk. And uh, if you're not at your desk, you're not working kind of thing. So, so that whole moving our desktop to sort of a mobile desktop, you know, everyone has a laptop as, you know, as a given everybody. And these might sound like simple things, but in legal, you know, not so much. So everyone has a laptop, you know, we, we have, everyone has mobile and, and iPads and, and those kind of things. So that was number one. Number two is using, um, really getting into legal tech, which is using some of those legal technologies which are out there. I mean, you touched on digital signatures, you know, that is key, as you can imagine, in a law firm with uh, contract signatures and those kind of things. But things like how we do e-discovery, how we do uh, different types of legal work, it's all moving to the electronic file. And so we're, being, we're putting in the best of class solutions, such as e-discovery. As an example, we use Relativity One for our e-discovery platform. We use robotic processing now to do sort of high volume processing of data. Uh, we do document automation to automate some of how our contracts are created and using a level of sort of AI, I guess, with automation. And the list kind of goes on and on. So those are the kind of tools we're now sort of putting in place. And also we're working with vendors to see how we can uh, build new tools which don't even exist yet today. So it's, it's all very exciting. So has the, the legal system and the courts, have they kept up with your adoption of technology or? You know, in, in Canada, it depends on which province you're in. You know, I see, I talk to my counterparts around the world. You know, it, it varies. Uh, I can't sort of say that the courts are leading the charge, you know. <laughs> um, and in fact, you know, in some respects, we've had cases where we have to revert back to sort of legacy type processes just because the courts are not ready to go, you know, paperless and digital, you know, but it's coming. I mean, like I said, the adoption and the transformation across all aspects of legal is, is changing at a phenomenal pace. And the courts were often probably some of the slower parts of the business to change. But now I, we're seeing some of that change coming through pretty fast now. So as an example, as, as part of the pandemic, we had to do a lot of disputes virtually and not be in a courtroom. So we had to do Zoom and do mediations and, uh, you know, uh, work with witnesses all through Zoom and not in a, in a meeting room, you know. So that was quite a big change, you know, early part of this year. Um, yeah, so like the, there is no substitute for that in-person communication. How, how are you managing with things like hiring new employees, evaluating their talent, mentoring? I'd like to think we were pretty good. We've won lots of awards as the employer of choice and all those good things. But I think um, certainly I'm sure 
I'm not on, on my own here. We've all had to up our game in terms of engagement. So we've improved our wellness programs. We've certainly improved our training programs. A lot of training that used to be classroom is now kind of e-learning and we're using the technology way better than we ever have done, even like technologies like we're on today. We have a whole engagement plan around mentoring and looking after our people and making sure we sort of grow them and develop their careers. And typically to grow sort of, you know, the give everybody an opportunity, we advertise every role. So even if we think we don't have the skill set internally, we, we advertise that to the whole firm. And I have to say, a lot of people within BOG have moved either horizontally and, you know, across the organization and moved into different areas where perhaps wasn't their sort of expertise. But given their law firm knowledge and understanding of how law firm works, that's become quite a big asset and skill set. And then we can kind of fill in some of the gaps, perhaps on some subject matter expertise type areas. So I've been really like, if I look at Often when we do hiring, a lot of the roles are filled by internal placements, uh, and then we then develop them and grow them into those roles. So that's been uh, really encouraging to see. So how does a, given the size of your firm, uh, thousands of employees, over 700 lawyers, how does a young, ambitious employee stand out? Well, they have to uh, be seen and they have to be heard. So we do have a kind of very open concept that people, you know, Sometimes you can't sort of get your voice across a very busy room. And so we, we encourage people to speak up. We have lots of voluntary type things that people can do. We have, as an example, a lot of our projects, we try and get our projects done by uh, internal resources. So as an example, last year, we decided to use a lot of our, our support people to actually do the rollout instead of using an outside you know, vendor, we actually tried to use internal people and sort of backfill their day job a bit to allow them to sort of work on a strategic project for us. And that was amazing because they got huge exposure to, you know, the business of law and understood, even though they weren't a trainer, they didn't join up to become a trainer or a, a, a support person. But for that week or, you know, as we were doing the sort of rollout, they got involved and worked with the professionals. And so that was amazing to see everybody from every walk of life in the organization coming together for a common you know project to get it to, you know to get it delivered so i think we we try and do those kind of things to get people to kind of open the door for them and sort of get expose them to new things and again we we have design thinking workshops with them we have various different forums where we get together to try and find who are our high potentials or high performers within the organization how much does that change given the work from home environment uh, to try and stand out? Is there anything in particular people are doing? That I are think the working from, from others, home or? has hindered that a little bit. I think I would have to say we were like, I'll give an example. We built a room, you know, in our main off in one of our offices, just, and we called it the innovation zone. And when you went into that room, you had to be an innovator and an entrepreneur and all those kind of things. And of course we don't have that room. Now the room's sitting empty now in Toronto. And we were just getting some traction around getting people into the room of different parts of the business to kind of get together and collaborate and uh, really think about how we can change and, and come up with new ideas for innovation. So now trying to do that virtually is is a little bit more tricky, but we are getting better. You know, we're starting to do breakout rooms in WebEx and those kind of things I'm sure a lot of people are trying to do. We're trying to get external speakers to come to us and talk to us about different parts of their business to stimulate that kind of uh, thought leadership. You know, it's not like we've down tools, but it was certainly better when we were together in the office. And I can imagine when we're out of this pandemic, 
when we come back to the office, people will be very hungry for that kind of collaboration and networking. And then you'll be coming to the office less about going into another office because you have your home office, but more about the collaboration and, and, and figuring out solutions, you know. Well, in a, so mentioning the innovation room, um, I understand that BLG has a tech incubator. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so we have, uh, we just built this literally uh, about a year ago. So we're trying to build our own development capability to actually develop our own tech. I mentioned earlier that a lot of the technology we want to kind of create, you know, hasn't been invented yet. And so, and being in a law firm, of course, we're seeing the issues firsthand or the challenges that our clients face. So now we, we sort of felt we really need to kind of get our arms around this. I know we're not a technology company, we're a law firm. So one might say, you know, st- you know, stick to your to what you're good at. But I think what we're sort of seeing is we've we've got to get faster and better at building new tech. And so what we've done is we built a sort of core center of excellence headed up by a director to sort of drive that forward. And then what we've done in addition is to sort of sort of focus on the uh, the ecosystem as we call it, which is working with all our vendors. So we first start with our our key suppliers and our key clients to see if they can kind of work with us. And you've got your usual favorites like your Microsofts and your Apples and your, those kind of folks we work with. But then we're working with quite small startup companies as well who, who come in with ideas and want to work with us to develop their product. And so we're just starting to build that kind of incubator program where we work with those kind of companies to sort of develop and have an open mind about, you know, how we sort of build stuff. And when next year, we're going to be launching uh, something, I can't say it now, but we're going to be launching um, some new products to the market, which will bring together the technology hub, if you will, with some of the legal services that we're now providing our clients. So it's it's going to be quite exciting next year. Yeah, I, I remember when we spoke a few weeks ago, Rob, it, I, I came away with the impression you were almost hiring more software developers, coders, programmers than you were actual legal professionals well i mean our core business is still the the legal professionals and we're still you know that's the lion's share of our workforce but i think what we're probably doing is we're now you know if i was to say the non-legal workforce that is where we're sort of that's where we're sort of investing mostly and we've also seen some parts of our other functions and i'm sure you know them you you can you know have been shrinking just through the you know the disruption that we've been seeing you know over the last 12 months and also disruption i mean just to be clear you know legal's been going through quite a lot of disruption for the last three or four years but now a lot of that disruption's kind of taken its course through the pandemic as well so um but no we're definitely investing in tech in technology in these kind of new verticals and we're also you know investing in innovation as well you know and new services and even non-legal services if we can to help our clients with those kind of challenges yeah so if if you Sort of speculated the the transform from analog to digital would would have been a three year process. I think you said it was sped up to about a three month process. Are you able to to speculate what's, what's um, beyond that? I'm hoping I'm hoping we don't go back to our old ways, so that we all have that risk of do we sort of revert back to you know the good old days. So we're trying our hardest to make sure that doesn't happen. So a lot of that legacy we're trying to decommission as quick as we can you know so by the time you go back and everything's back to normal it's like well you know what happened to my printer i'm sure we'll keep printers of course but you know um there might not be as many of them but in terms of the adoption i'm I'm really really hopeful you know if our professionals have the right tools and we 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 can make the digital work seamlessly 
and the user experience is really rich and and good. I get the the feeling that the resistance that we used to get uh, and lack of adoption is going to go away. I think people are now hungry for more. And in fact, one of the things I wanted to add is we can we can say, well, it's going to take three years to get the adoption and the change management in place. But that also gave us time to kind of build the the backend support model and scale up. Now what's happening is I think our professionals are kind of getting real, really hungry and saying, well, I want an app for this. Where is it? Why haven't you built it yet? You know, where's the solution? So one of the things we've got to get really better at is how quick we can, you know, turn an idea from idea, concept, pilot, or proof of concept to full-blown deployment. And in my experience, it's typically taken a long time. You know, some of those life cycles can be as long as a year. And I just don't think we can, um, no one's got that patience anymore. So we're now trying to bring that down to like from idea to it's on your desk, you know, in, in the space of eight weeks. You know, that's our kind of SLA, if you will, to kind of drive that, um, that life cycle. And also not, not spend huge amounts of money. We sort of get something done. If it works and everyone loves it, brilliant, move on. If it doesn't work, it didn't cost us a small fortune. We can move on to the next thing. And we get into that more iterative cycle of development as opposed to this thing that we think is going to turn us, put somebody on the moon or something. So uh, not boil the ocean, if you will. But that's where I see us really moving the needle. Adoption will will continue, get rid of the legacy, and really get quicker and faster at how we get products to market. So I'm I'm curious, especially given your your background in in service, which, which would have taught you to be prepared for almost any situation. What what's one thing you you wish you knew at the beginning of this year? Um, well, apart from that, the, uh, you're going to be hit by a pandemic. I don't know really. Um, in the beginning of the crisis, I think a lot of people were saying, thank goodness we did this. Thank goodness we did that. You know, I wonder how other people are coping who didn't do any of this stuff. So it was more being thankful that we'd taken the bull by the horns and kind of invested in our platforms and infrastructure and our people, you know, to prepare them for this, uh, for, for this event. Had it happened a year before, I mean, it would have been, it would have been a different ball game altogether. Because we wouldn't have had the platforms, a lot of our things would have still been analog, uh, and we would have really struggled to run our business. So, um, uh, you know, I think that was it. Was more the I'm glad it happened when it did, not not before. And then, what uh, either either personally or, or professionally with your firm, what are you, what are you most looking forward? to? I think to getting in, back uh, to the office. I think um, you know this has been a double whammy. Now we've just I don't know where you are, but we've just been locked down again you know, until pretty much Christmas. And then we've been told to expect another spike in the, you know, in the early part of next year. So I think, uh, I think just getting the, the everyone back together again, I think there's going to be fireworks when we can all get back to the office and uh, see our colleagues and spend some social time with them and, you know, get back to normal. I think that's what we're all hoping for. I mean, this working remotely has got its benefits. I'm sure everyone, you know, doesn't miss the commute. Uh, I certainly think uh, everyone is wanting just to get back together and be social again. Okay, great. Um, that That's it for us. Phil, are you have any more questions? No questions on my end. Thank you so much, Rob. That was a very informative discussion. Uh, nice to hear the tech component and and technology yep. developments in your field. So thank you for sharing. Great. Thank you for, thank you for your time. And, and uh, great to catch enjoy up. the rest of your Bye-bye. evening.
All right, and that's the show. Thank you very much again to Rob Morris for joining us today. And thank you to his team at BLG for making this discussion possible. If you'd like more information about our firm, you can visit our website at fostergroup.ca. Or if you have any questions about the show or our guests, you can send me an email at d-w-i-n-n-e-l-l at fostergroup.ca. Be sure to listen up for our final episode of 2020, where we have a conversation with Marcelo Lu, and Marcelo is the president of BASF Canada. Until next time.